This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. This is TL Talk Radio, Season 1, Episode 9. Welcome to TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihetten and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihetten. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hi, Lynn. How are you today? I am well, thank you. So excited to talk today about the book, The Core Six, by Harvey Silver, Thomas Dewing, and Matthew Perini. And Randy, if you remember, this was one of the ASD, ASCD selections that we, we received. Mm-hmm. And we saw this book and it looked like an interesting read. I actually shared it with a teacher uh, probably a year ago, maybe, and, and she really enjoyed it as well. Uh, and then this summer, we shared it as a book study in our own district with some teachers during our summer academy. And also, Randy and I shared the book at the Bucks Lehigh Edu Summit. And if you listen to our second podcast, uh, podcast two, we actually discussed that Buxley High Edu Summit. Um, but during that session, we had some reading specialists and some teachers, and they shared and talked about some of the content of the book. And we really enjoyed the session and, and wanted to bring it to all of you tonight. And we're actually bringing it to our admin team tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. So that should be fun and exciting. And uh the strategies really can be employed by teachers of you know, any grade level, uh, any content area as well. So let's talk about the strategies. The authors present six very clear skills that our students need, and they connect them very much to, to the needs of the, of the core, the common core. And the six strategies are reading for meaning, compare and contrast, inductive learning, circle of knowledge, right to learn, and vocabularies code. And more importantly, uh, we're going to share out some ideas about what instructional leaders can look for in their classrooms related to these six strategies. So that's really what we're going to focus on for the podcast today. Great. So let's start by talking about these core six skills that the authors um, explain and provide background knowledge. So the first one is reading for meaning and asking students to make inferences and identify main ideas and themes and evaluate interpretations. And this strategy helps readers build their skills as they um, navigate more difficult and challenging texts and help them with skills before, during, and after reading. And when we do a book study, the book study always has a question to activate your schema, questions while you're reading, and then some follow-up questions. So as a leader, we need to model that practice when we do things with our, with our teachers and, and colleagues. You know, the authors also talk about using very 
very close reads, um, making sure that the text complexity is at the level of rigor for which we're looking and asking students to interact with that text. Uh, so we've seen a lot of that happening in our district and um, it's definitely an area where students are becoming more engaged readers when they read for meaning. And I, th I think the thing that struck me about this uh, particular structure is the idea that it says text, but a text could really be anything. So, you know, even if you're a science teacher doing a lab or an art teacher looking at it, looking at an image, uh, there are ways that the strategy can be applied uh, to, you know, virtually any kind of media or quote text. Absolutely. And I can give you an example for our um maybe a literature teacher out there, or even one of our science teachers or social studies. Recently, I was at a discovery education workshop and the presenter shared a strategy to use with an image. And basically you were reading the image. So yeah. she put an image up on the screen and this particular image happened to be um, a picture of a, a landscape. There was a barn and there was snow on the ground and there were evergreen trees and some bare deciduous trees which had lost their leaves. And she asked the question, what, what season is it? And the students or the teachers actually in the workshop had to read the picture and make inferences. And, and everyone could say it was winter, but articulating how they knew was a little more difficult. And it was a great way to, to explain reading for meaning in exactly that example you gave, Randy. Yeah, and it's a really it's a really good example, I think, of how all of these strategies really apply to everybody, and that we can all uh, incorporate these into our teaching and give students the opportunity as they go throughout their day, regardless of what they're studying or what they're learning, give them the opportunity to practice and to develop these skills that will serve them well uh, in their future, uh, hopefully in their career, and you know even when they take those standardized tests. Yes, and, and as a leader, because that's what we want to focus on, how, how do leaders um, infuse these practices? You know, looking in a classroom when students are interacting with text or interacting with a visual and watching to see how are they interacting it. Is the teacher uh, simply assigning a reading assignment or is the teacher asking some pre-questions and some during questions and follow-up questions and, and what do those questions sound like? So as a leader, when you're in a classroom and you see students engaging with media or with printed text, you know, look at how they're engaging with it and, and ask those questions of your teacher during those conferences and, and evaluation opportunities. All right, so let's go on to uh, the second in the book and that is compare and contrast. Tell us about that. So, you know, we've all seen the Venn diagram, we've all seen the T-charts, we've had students <clears throat> compare and contrast uh, we've had them write essays for, for many years. So this is probably very familiar to people. And, you know, they articulate a very clear process or steps. You know, they, they have sort of a formula for being successful. You know, describe each item using specific criteria, record key similarities and differences, and then take it a step further and discuss those findings and, yeah. and draw conclusions. And this is the really important piece here, too, because one of the pitfalls of this strategy is that people just sort of stop after the, after the comparison part. But it's important that we take it to the next, the next phases. And what are those? So, you know, drawing, drawing conclusions. What do you know based on the evidence that you've recorded? And this is going to be a good basis for... Um, informational writing for students. It could also be a good basis for argumentative writing. Both of these could serve as a pre-writing 
uh, for those longer pieces of writing. And then finally, synthesize that learning by completing a task, whether it's a writing assignment that I referenced, or it's a public service announcement, you know, or it's a video, whatever the task might be to demonstrate that you've you've identified the similarities and differences and you use that evidence to draw conclusions. So that's the higher level piece. And as a principal, if, if you see students using a Venn diagram or, or comparing and contrasting as a class, ask that question of the next step. You know, how can they take it a step further? How can they discuss their findings and draw conclusions? And if you're looking to use some technology in that application phase, it's probably the easiest way to incorporate something like that. And, and it, might even, it might be something that, if we're using the SAMR framework, might be below the line. But, and that's okay. I mean, you know, we need to have some of those examples too. Uh, but you could create some sort of application project uh, or activity where students are using the technology to create, you know, whether it be a keynote presentation or a movie or something that reflects uh, their understanding of the comparison contrast thing. Something that might take a short period of time, uh, not very long, uh, but they could also be working in groups too to do, to do something like that in terms of the technology integration. All right, so let's go on to number three. Number three is inductive learning. So inductive learning, I, I had a great example of this where I saw in a teacher's classroom, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, where she had given the students uh, the vocabulary from the unit. So when she gave the students the vocabulary for the unit, she asked them to group it or, or create you know mini groups of these words and, and not, look and not giving them the the names of the groups they had right. to sort of yes. infer that from the examples of the, of the cards that she gave them right so some students at a lower level you know they may have just done the abc order they mm -hmm. they had to somehow categorize these and look for a pattern and and there were some kids who did that the first time that this strategy was used um you know if if you do something like that and then you have students label them with post-it notes and then let let students uh, walk around the room and see how other students group them and you know give the kids then an opportunity to regroup them um, you're really practicing this flexible thinking and you're shifting from the teacher giving information about what's important to that student discovery basing uh, their ideas on conclusions or inference of the key details of that vocabulary. So pretty neat strategy. Uh, it also made me think of the word sort. If you're um, familiar with the reader's apprenticeship where you're doing a very similar, very similar task. Um, but taking it a step further. So if you're a principal and you're, you know, you're looking at vocabulary or you're seeing students at sort of a lower level use of vocabulary, vocabulary and they understand the words, but the teacher still wants them to practice, this might be a great way to reinforce the content of the vocabulary while practicing some of that higher level thinking. And one of the things that I like about this book is for each of these strategies, they provide the rationale and you know, obviously for inductive learning, one of the, the main reasons for doing this and how it connects to the common core is, is allowing students to practice and develop that skill of inference, but also, like with the other previous routines, this idea of evidence that uh, students have to communicate their thinking and, and provide the evidence around why they're thinking that. And then lastly, the third reason they give is this idea of developing academic vocabulary. We'll talk about vocabulary when we get to the to the sixth and final strategy too, but you know when you mentioned that the teacher had put uh, vocabulary on the cards and the students had to organize it, it gives them uh, students some practice in that academic vocabulary. So it's a good strategy for that as well. 
So the fourth one is circle of knowledge. And, and you know, many teachers use some, some type of discussion. discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So some type of discussion. And, and sometimes it's difficult to promote effective communication during the discussion. Uh, maybe not everybody participates. Maybe there are, you know, lower level questions where our students are more comfortable and maybe some of these inference questions you're not really getting to the heart of the discussion and and in their circle of knowledge they provide a framework for discussions that encourages student participation and critical thinking and helps to build the collaborative and interpersonal skills and you know we'll post in a note in the notes our um our information that we shared at our Edu Summit, and in there, there's a nice prezi on the circle of knowledge that you can take a look at and, and learn more about that strategy and you know everything from how it works to even some ideas for building in movement so that it becomes also kinesthetic. And this is also a good strategy as we create curriculum documents and we talk about essential questions. Uh, sometimes the essential questions are are open-ended questions that uh, work well in this kind of uh, kind of strategy, the circle of knowledge strategy. So it's a way to to get students uh, in touch with those essential questions that are sort of at the heart of the curriculum that we're that we're uh, delivering and that students are learning. Good point. And and also can be used for some lower level things. I'm, I'm thinking of you know what's a character trait where you ask every student to identify one in the classroom and give everybody a voice, as opposed to maybe sometimes we let kids, one or two kids share. So it, it allows for some inclusivity too. So moving from writing or moving from speaking into writing, that fifth one is uh, write to learn. And if you're familiar with the PA ELA core, um, you know that there is a heavy emphasis on writing. And in PA, we're moving from persuasive into argumentative writing. We still have informative texts, and we also still have narratives, which we've had for many years. And this strategy, Write to Learn, really asks teachers to make writing a daily habit. So, you know, we want to provide lots of opportunities for students to write, whether it's, you know, provisional, a, a quick write, Randy, where kids might just be answering an open-ended question when they first come in the class or something that's going to be um, intended for an audience where it's a more readable document or that full writing process piece where you're developing an idea through a brainstorm and then you're writing a draft and you're editing it and you're peer editing it and you're revising and you're creating that final polished draft. We have to provide lots of opportunities for students to write. So as a leader, we should be looking for that in every classroom and every lesson. You know, is there an opportunity for students to write? And how are we modeling that as our as leaders? Mm -hmm. I think that's the important piece on all these strategies too. Think of ways, you know, as as we as leaders become more familiar with these, think of ways that we could be doing these things too, in the ways that we interact with teachers. So the last strategy is vocabulary's code, and you know this makes the point that we need direct vocabulary instruction, and this tier three vocabulary that Randy referenced early on does require more opportunity for processing. Um, it's specialized vocabulary. It's vocabulary that is going to be less intuitive for students. It's going to be um, more difficult perhaps for students who read less or struggle with reading um, or who have language differences um, So, or, or language strengths also. So we need to make sure that we're explicitly teaching new vocabulary. 
And for a lot of us, you know, that might be students looking up words and writing definitions. Um, it might be students um, maybe watching a video that has some of those, those words in it. Um, so this provides a very clear framework for helping students learn that vocabulary. And I know as I was reading this too, I was thinking back to those sort of dreaded days of, of school where we had to memorize basically words and definitions and thinking how much better I would have done had uh, the idea of vocabulary development been, been presented in this way. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly there are some kids who you know, may not need this and it's our responsibility to make sure the kids who do need it have it. And so the authors use this idea of code, C-O-D-E, C for connecting with new words. How do you connect to something? Um, how do you build on prior knowledge so that a word is connected to something you already know and more easily cemented in your in your brain? The O for organizing new words into meaningful categories, and, and that could connect back to our inductive learning. Um, D for deep processing of those most important terms, those tier, tier three terms. And then finally, E for exercising the mind through review and practice, you know, so what, so what could this look like in the classroom? What would principals want to see when they go into those classrooms? Um, you might see teachers doing concept mapping, and maybe, Randy, you have some ideas for concept mapping with, with technology programs. Um, you might see teachers using an RA strategy with, with Link, where they're creating a visual to go with a new vocabulary word. Um, you might even see something like a Freyer model, where students are identifying examples and non-examples of a word and a definition. and you know, sort of characteristics or non-characteristics. So this could look like a lot of different things, but it shouldn't look like the teacher only defining the words or mm -hmm. the kids only defining the words. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the text, in the chapter, there's a, a really nice figure or table uh, where they take the C, the O, the D, and the E, and they provide uh, actually numerous, there's quite a few examples here, probably over two dozen, of what that might look like in the classroom. So as you can see, these are some, you know, maybe some, not new ideas, ideas certainly that we know are, are good instruction. And we know that these authors, um, we have designed these instructions to capture students' interest. You know, they have these six tips for inspired mm -hmm. instruction. They want to make sure that you explain the purpose of the strategy and everybody's role in that strategy. We also have to think and, and model the teaching that's embedded in the strategy. We also have to model the thinking embedded in the strategy and make sure that we explicitly teach that. Um, teachers need to use those discussion and questioning techniques to really extend the student thinking. And, and that's not easy, you know, to get those higher level questions and it takes a lot of time. Um, you know, definitely, and even thinking about that's connected to our, our Danielson evaluation system. Like that's really something that we need to continue to work on. And always making sure that students have time to connect their learning and transfer their learning and, and reflect on what they've learned. So all in all, I, I really like the book. I think it's an easy book for teachers to understand. And I think it gives us as leaders, you know, six really good concrete skills and strategies that we can look for and talk to teachers about. And pretty much every teacher and every content is, is dealing with some type of reading of text or image or artwork. Mm -hmm. And as we begin to transition uh, deeper and deeper into the Common Core, these uh, clearly, in many ways, connect to the, 
the new requirements of that and the new levels of rigor and, and um, depth of learning that's required. Uh, so it's very approachable, I think, from, a, from an educator perspective and also very applicable uh, to our learners. So hopefully tomorrow we'll have a good lunch and learn session with our administrators and, you know, we'll share this document with them and maybe over the next six faculty meetings they have, they'll introduce each one of these strategies and have a slide to show and talk about it and just have a 10 minute mini lesson with their, with their teachers about it. And I hope some of you will be able to use these strategies too with, with your teacher leaders or teachers or other administrators. That would be great. So at this point, it's time for us to engage you in some conversation. And each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about uh, with the idea of provoking some conversation. So this week, we have one question. How can you as a leader support your teachers as they teach to the core? We've thrown out six of, six of these ideas. Are there some other things um, that you are looking for and things that you are supporting your teachers in implementing to move towards that transition? Uh, to implementing the core. You can uh, visit our blog at tltalkradio.org, leave a comment or a voicemail by clicking on the red send voicemail button. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas for future podcast episodes, you can also um, leave a comment on the blog or leave a voicemail for us. You can follow us on iTunes and we'd love to have a review from you. And uh, so we'll uh, look forward to another exciting episode of TL Talk Radio next time. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.